No success in the world can compensate for failure in the home. That's why Club Wealth was founded, to help driven, successful, and busy real estate agents like you double their business while building a strong, balanced home life. Join us each week as high-producing agents and team leaders share their stories and unpack the principles and systems they've used to double, triple, and even quadruple their business while enjoying greater quality of life. And now, here's the latest episode of Club Wealth TV. Welcome everybody, Michael Helligson here with Club Wealth and I am so stoked about today's Club Wealth TV. We're on with Kyle Whistle and uh, Brian Curtis. And so I'm going to let Kyle kind of introduce himself. I think most of you probably know who Kyle is. He's kind of a big deal. Uh, and so we're super excited to have him on today. Essentially, Kyle uh, does absolutely ridiculous amounts of business. He's in San Diego, California, and uh, does a ton of business through video. So we're going to be talking with Kyle today about how does he do that? How does he do so much business with video? And so, Kyle, go ahead and why don't you just start off and introduce us? And then, Brian, uh, I'm going to uh, go ahead and introduce you after Kyle introduced himself. Cool. What's up, guys? My name is Kyle Whistle. Um, I run the Whistle Realty Group here in San Diego, California. Um, recently made the big move over to EXP. Um, we run a team here, about 20 agents on our team. Last year, we did 374 transactions, over $200 million in volume last year, um, which has been amazing. Uh, we earned the recognition from the Wall Street Journal as the number one team in all of San Diego County uh, for three years in a row. And the new numbers are coming out here in a couple of weeks. So we'll see if we made that four years in a row or not. Um, and what was really cool last year is the first year we ever got recognition for both the number of transactions and the dollar volume, which was really cool. Um, no team's ever done that in San Diego before to win both. A lot of times a luxury agent wins the dollar volume battle and somebody else wins the unit battle. We actually got both last year, which is really cool. Um, so that was awesome year and also got super lucky recently. We do a ton of video. Um, BombBomb gave us an award for the number one real estate video influencer in North America, uh, which is really, really rad. So yeah, I'd love to share some of the stuff we're doing today. Okay, so first of all, I got to, and Brian, let me do this. I'm going to introduce Brian super fast because I want to dive deep on what you just said because it, it drives home a point that I've made for a long, long time. But Brian Curtis, for those of you that don't know, is in Bentonville, Arkansas. Brian also does over 300 transactions a year. He's at about uh, 330 transactions last year, I believe. Brian, as you guys all know, is one of our coaches here at Club Wealth. And uh, for those of you that don't already know what Club Wealth is, Club Wealth is a real estate coaching and consulting company. We teach real estate agents, brokers, team leaders how to crush it in real estate. And uh, so anyway, super excited to have you both on. Now, Kyle, you mentioned that it was the first time somebody had run, won both the number one uh, team award for San Diego County in terms of transactional volume and in terms of uh, number of transactions. And the reason I share this is because, you know, we hear a lot of times these luxury agents out there like to say, oh, well, I just, you know, I, I'm not interested in how many transactions I close. I just want to close big ones and I can do fewer transactions, make more money. And my response has always been, well, why not do both? And it sounds like you are. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, it's just been something that, you know, we, like you, come from the REO and short sale background. When I got into the industry um, back in like 2008, you know, everything that was happening at that point was short sale REO. And so we were doing a ton of that stuff. Um, as I started to see that, you know, fading out, we started making that transition over to traditional real estate. 
And when we were, you know, at the peak, when we had accounts with Fannie Mae and HUD and all of that stuff, our average price was like $267,000 in San Diego, California. Um, so our price point was really, really low. Uh, but we did a ton of units. But then we made that conscious decision like, hey, it's time to move on from this. This ship is sinking. Let's get off of it and let's go over to the traditional um, business model and go after farming and open house and doing some of that more traditional type stuff. And within two years, we were able to double uh, double our average price point. Now we're almost triple what we were back then. So I'm just kind of making that conscious decision to shift, you know, or pivot as a lot of people say, and get away from short sale and REO, pivot over to traditional business. Um, that was huge for us. And now we've been able to actually maintain our unit count that we were doing back in the REO and short sale days, but now our average price is two or three times higher. So that's how we were able to get both the units and the volume, which has been really cool because now they're in alignment. So yeah, it's been a blast, man. So yeah, Kyle, that's huge. And by the way, I think that's, uh, I think that's your phone, Kyle. Yeah. I just uh, put DND on. Sorry. No, no big deal. Hey, um, so Kyle, quick question for you. 95% of the people who are in markets like yours, what's your average sales price? You said triple 260, so 750? Yeah, we're running up in the sevens now. Okay. You know, majority of the agents that I talk to, they're in the sevens. They're even fives and sixes. You know, they'll do $100 million a year, and that's awesome. You know, it's still a pretty darn good living. But with that in mind, what is the mindset? Because I actually, I've talked to a couple of brokers down in San Diego. And when I talked about setting an expectation that people were going to do a minimum of two transactions a month, they were like dumbfounded by the concept that I would ask somebody in San Diego to do two transactions a month. So, you know, what's your mindset with your team? Because you've got, I know not within your team, but I'm sure you're continuing to bring people in your team. Do you fight that mindset a lot of setting those minimum expectations on number of transactions? Yeah, for sure. I mean, in San Diego, our greatest blessing is also our greatest curse, and that is our average price point. And here in San Diego, you can do a deal a month and make six figures. And unfortunately, a lot of people have set the bar that if I make six figures, I'm a success. And so they do what they need to do to make that six-figure mark, and that's it. And then they kind of pump the brakes from there. So for us, it's that's kind of the minimum, you know, where most agents or stop, that's kind of where we start. Like our minimum um, recommendation, right? Would be all of our agents are independent contractors. So there's never requirements. So um, our minimum recommendation is to uh, do one transaction per month. That's the baseline. But we have consistently averaged around 20 to 25 transactions per agent per month. And I think when you run a team or you run a brokerage, it's all about setting standards. And that's the standard that we've set. And, you know, one of the good things is we have agents who started with us that were that one deal a month agent, and now they're three, four, five deal a month agents. And so what's cool is new agents come into our team, they see the person who's doing five deals a month. And when they realize that person was the new team agent who used to do a deal a month, they kind of see that. I think it's important to have that diversity on your team where you have the guys doing five or six deals a month. And then when the new guys come in that do one, they realize that's possible because that person was in their shoes three or four years ago. So I think that helps out a lot to have those veteran experienced agents, but also have those rookie agents because then when a rookie agent comes in and starts crushing it and doing two or three, that person that's doing four or five, it pushes them to do a little bit more because they don't want to give up their seat as the top dog. Awesome. Yeah. And, and again, I applaud you for that because it's so easy to say, Hey, I'll hire 20 agents. So I'll do one deal a month. And that's, you know, 20, that's what, 
14 million a month, you know, that beats a kick in the teeth. So I applaud you for continuing to push your guys. Cause I think a lot of people look at that and go, I'm uber successful. Why would I need to do better? So congratulations. Oh, yeah. Well, and Kyle, I got to think that that's made a huge difference to the team culture. I mean, if I think, Think about my team, right? And we always we always like to say, and, and I should say this is really a club wealth at large, we like to say that eagles don't flock with turkeys, right? And so obviously you've developed a team of eagles and they want to be around other eagles. So how do you handle those agents that come to you and say, well, you know, I just, I really don't need to make more than this. And so I just want to be on the team and make my $100,000, $150,000 a year. The person that's just not a fit for us. It's not a fit at all. If, if you're somebody who wants to come in, if you use the word freedom in the interview process, I already know freedom means you're effing lazy is what freedom means. <laughs> it means you're lazy. You're looking for a way to do very little and make a whole lot of money. Um, so freedom is one of those red flags that pops up in the interview process for me. Um, I want the people that have a history of excelling in whatever they've done in life. Like before real estate, I was scooping popcorn at a movie theater and like they would run contests at the movie theater for who could scoop the most popcorn. I had to win that. I used to work at Cinnabon and they had like an award for who could roll the cinnamon rolls the fastest. Like I had to win that. I look for people who have a history of not just meeting the expectation, but really exceeding it, surpassing it, you know, being the best at what they were doing or even adding on to what they were doing, starting new things. Um, I'm always looking for that, looking for those things in people's history that show that they're not just your average person. And it could be somebody straight out of college that was in a fraternity, but, you know, maybe they started a new chapter of a fraternity or maybe they led a committee on a fraternity or anything like that. I'm looking for those little things. They don't have to have been the best salesperson at whatever they did. I was the best cinnamon roll roller. Like it's called the golden roller. Um, <laughs> I'm looking for examples of where somebody excelled at some point in their past where that shows the type of character. But when somebody comes in, it's just like, I want freedom. I'm scared to death of that person. So, so let's, Kyle, let's ask, the golden roller. Sorry, go ahead, Brian. <laughs> so let's ask a couple more questions out there because what you're doing is talking about some interviewing process, which I think is really, really, really vital. And, you know, I'll be honest, I give a lot of people a shot and I've made some mistakes. And I'm sure you have too. It's just sometimes people are better interviewers than they are workers. But if, with that in mind, if you don't mind sharing a couple of your questions. So to me, I always ask people how much they want to make. And if you say $100,000, I know you haven't given it any thought. That's basically what you go, oh, okay, 100 grand, okay. Everybody says that. So, you know, if you tell me $147,000, I'm like, tell me more about that because you've given that some thought. That's our number that you very specifically came up with. So what kind of questions are you asking during those interviews to try and weed out the turkeys? Yeah, one of the things that trips me out is that people spend so much time, you know, watching something like this even, trying to figure out like how to generate more leads, how to convert more leads, stuff like that. But they spend very little time learning how to be a better leader. And they spend very little time learning how to be a better interviewer and how to be a better recruiter. But if they put more work in on that front end stuff, they'd have to put a lot less work in on the back end stuff. So um, there's another brokerage out there, never worked with them, but they have amazing initials if that helps you out at all. Um, And I took a class that they offered three times and they taught me a ton of amazing stuff about how to recruit people and how to go through that process. And one of the most valuable tools they taught me about was getting the life story of that person. And you go through 
everything as far back as they're willing to go and look at their history of when they were in junior high, when they were in high school, when they were in college, and then every job they did. And you just get their whole life story. And I will gladly spend an hour just on that, getting their life story, because where they've been um, and what they've been through says so much about them. Most of my best agents have been through some stuff in their life. Um, whether they've been divorced, they've gone through bankruptcy, they've been to jail, um, you know, they've been foreclosed on, any of that stuff. Like people who've been through stuff, they tend to have a deeper why. They have an understanding of what it feels like to be at a, a real true low. And they have fought out of that corner and they have a different perspective and a different mindset. So I love to find people who've been through stuff in their life. We're going to get along, Kyle. (laughs) That's that's so good because to me, that says they're working for something. They've got a reason as to why they're working. They're not just doing it. Like Brian said, oh, I think $100,000 sounds nice. I just picked that number. But they have someone that they're actually fighting for. They've got some sort of bills and debt they have to pay. I had a coaching client who, you know, he realized that I'm hiring people who have nothing to work for. They still live with their mom and dads. And that now I'm trying to, now I understand why I can't get them to produce more. Totally. Yeah. One of the cool things we did at our retreat in December, we set a goal for everybody in our company um, to either buy a, their first home, or if they already own their existing home, buy an investment property within two years. We're six months into the year. We've already had five agents either go into escrow and close or already in escrow right now. So doing things like that has been really cool too, because now we're pushing people to uh, practice what they preach. And when people commit to things like a mortgage, um, that's a beautiful thing because it now they really have to work. It, it gives you a different level of accountability. Or one of my agents rolls up to the office in a brand new car. I'm like, great job. I love that new car because now they got a new commitment for a payment. So I love when people have expenses. I think it's a beautiful thing. Um, oh. Now they have to make that money, you know, like you know, you get that single um, parent who's got two or three kids that, you know, just went through a divorce. Like they have to work. Like there's no option, right? Like if they don't bring home the money, there's no food on the table. So looking for stuff like that too, where they're like failure is not an option. Those people are great. It's funny you mention that because, you know, that's the old MFO way of doing things, right? Like, you know, go get a big car payment. So you got to go succeed. And I've always had challenges with that because I'm, I'm all about, you know, pay cash for everything, you know, build wealth, you know, buy rental properties, you know, have six to 12 months worth of expenses in the bank at all times. But I get what you're saying. And the reality is for most people, they won't do what I was just describing. They need to do what you just described because that's the only thing that forces them to go out and make a living because they'll make what they absolutely have to make and no more, which right. is sad. And it just kills me because I want people to build wealth, right? I want to, I, I, I have this, maybe I'm, maybe I'm seeing life through rose colored glasses, but I just, I have this altruistic vision of, you know, Hey, I really think people can build wealth and they can set money aside, but it's not going to happen if they're not disciplined enough to do it. And just too often, and sadly, that's not the case. Yeah, it's like Dave Ramsey's debt snowball. Like, in theory, you should pay off the highest interest rate first. But if people do that, rarely do they ever pay all their debts off. That's what right. actually makes sense or what actually works is to pay the smallest balance off, get the snowball rolling, and then you end up paying everything off. So what makes the most sense and what actually makes the most sense in practice is two different things. Theory and practice are very different. So same thing. True. Now you're right about that. You know, it's awesome that you're doing that. So, okay. So first of all, 
I'm stoked about what you're doing. I'm stoked about how your team's growing. Uh, I want you to talk to us a little bit about video because you're doing a ton of video. You've really built through video. Tell us exactly what you're doing, how you're doing it, and what people, like give us a takeaway that people can go implement right now when it comes to video and how they can use that to grow their real estate business. Most important thing, quit worrying about what camera, what microphone, what lighting, what editing software. This right here, this little iPhone is the only piece of equipment that you need. Um, we do so much video and 90% of the questions we get is what camera, what lens, all that crap. None of that matters. The most important thing that matters with video is your content. The content is everything when it comes to video. Quit worrying about spending a ton of money on really good equipment because if your content sucks, nobody's going to watch it. On the flip side, you can have one of my best videos I ever did. I was out at a property. I had crappy connection. It was Facebook Live. It was cutting in and out. I was in dark rooms with crappy lighting, but the content was really, really engaging and the video crushed it. It's still like, and randomly it'll pop up and I get, you know, another thousand views here, another thousand views there because the content is so good. So quit focusing on the quality of your video, or we refer to it as compositions. We talk about the four C's of video, which is in order of importance, content is by far the most important. Then we go to the channels where you're gonna put the videos. The third C is the consistency because it's really important to be consistent with what you do. And then composition is at the bottom. It's quality, but quality is not a C word. So we're going with composition. <laughs> Sounds better. But those are my okay, four wait, C- what are the four. Go through those again for us real quick. It's so content. is a video. Content, channels, consistency, and composition. And that is in order of importance. The composition's at the bottom of the importance list. Um, it's all about the content. So really, really focus on that. Um, for me personally, I think the number one video people should start with is a community video, something that showcases everything the community that you primarily sell in has to offer. Um, those videos always crush it on social media because people are very proud of the city or the community that they live in. It's very shareable content. So do something that shows people where you can go fishing, where you can go running, you know, one of your favorite restaurants in the community, the schools, the parks, the playgrounds, show all the cool stuff about your community. People love that. It's very shareable. But the best part is that content can be reused in every video you do from that point forward. Because anytime you do a video, you're starting to build this library of content. And now when you list a home in that area and you want to showcase the lifestyle that goes along with that home, you can reuse that community you know, footage from that community video over and over and over again. You don't have to go reshoot that stuff every time you do a new listing. So start out with a really good video, just showing everything that your community has to offer. That's kind of like the baseline. I think that's one of the most important videos for people to start with. Kyle, who are you using in order to edit that down? So if they're just using their smartphone, then what are you using to edit that in if we're, you know, it takes time to go to all these several different places. Um, so there's different editing softwares out there. Like if you're on a Mac, iMovie totally gets the job done. If you're on a PC, Windows Movie Maker, like those are free softwares that are built into your computers that you guys can use to edit. There's plenty of apps out there that you can do editing with. Um, just don't overthink the editing. You don't, I mean, you could do it with an Instagram video where you just shoot, you know, 10 seconds of the the lake with, you know, kids fishing and then go back and shoot 10 seconds of people riding bikes on a trail. Like, and then it just stitches that together as a quick little video. So just don't overthink that. It's all about that content. 
Um, for us personally, I actually think I had a D-Rock before Gary V had one. Um, we've had, we started with um, a video company who helps us send out videos twice a month to our database. I think it's a really smart thing to do. And I started to dabble in video with that, but then I decided like that wasn't enough just to do a couple videos a month. And so I went through this discovery process where I looked at, we did, I think, 150 listings the year before. And I looked, I was like, man, 150 listings. How much money did we spend between the photos and the videos and everything on those listings? And it averaged out to about 300 bucks a property. Some of them were just photos and it was like 150 bucks. Some of them were everything with a drone and all that with video. And we were spending 1500 bucks. It averaged out to like $300. So then I did the math and I was like, well, 150 listings, $300 a property. I spent $45,000 just to shoot photos and videos of my listings. Well, what if instead of outsourcing that, spending 45000 what if I brought that in-house and I hired a video guy at that point for 4000 bucks a month? Basically, the same amount as what I had paid the previous year. But now I had somebody who not only would do all my photo and video shoots, but now I had him 40 hours a week to do anything that my crazy head could come up with. And it's been amazing. So we've done a ton of stuff um, with that free time because now everybody out there is always outsourcing. It's a pain in the ass because some other agent has your photographer, your videographer booked, and now you're scrambling trying to find backups and backups. Well, we got our own guy now, which is beautiful. So I don't ever have to deal with that. Um, I can get a lot quicker turnaround times on my photo and video. And I have consistency because it's the same person shooting day in and day out. And so I get all that. Plus I have them 40 hours a week to do all kinds of other stuff now, which is really cool. Are your agents doing anything with video or is it just coming from you as the team lead? Yeah. So we have green, uh, green screen studio here in our office. So our agents can use our green screen studio all the time. Um, we do, I started a community series uh, almost four years ago now where we went out and interviewed all the local business owners. So Gary, for Gary Vanderchuk refers to it as the digital mayor strategy. And we went out and interviewed every single business across the city that I live in, Santee. And we interviewed the chiropractor. We interviewed the coffee shop, the gym, the um, insurance guy. We did 100 episodes of the show. And it was really, really cool because it did a lot of things. Um, most importantly, it got me relationships with every business owner in my community. Business owners tend to be the people that have the most money have the most connections and have the most influence in the community. So I literally know every single business owner in my community, which is really, really powerful. One of the biggest listings I've ever taken was from the senior community that we interviewed. And the owner of the senior community happened to have a $4 million property that he needed to sell. And I had that relationship because of that video that we did with him. And then the other thing that's really cool is now you're putting out content to an audience that's very what people are traditionally putting out there when it comes to video. Normally, everybody's doing a video and it's like, here's a beautiful three-bedroom, two-bath, 1,500-square-foot home listed for $400,000. Like, nobody wants to see that crap. That's boring. So when you can actually get in front of your audience on a regular basis, which we did it, we called it Santee Saturdays. So we did it every single Saturday for two straight years. We were consistently putting content out in front of our community they actually cared about because it was showing them all these cool things around the community that they didn't know existed. So people love this stuff so much. They literally nominated me for person of the year in our city, which is crazy um, to think about. Like that goes to show how much people actually appreciated that content. So now it's a way for me as a realtor to get in front of my community every single week, week after week 
and they know I'm a realtor. It's not, I'm not hiding it when I, you know, do these videos. We're making it clear that I'm a realtor. It's got our logo down in the bottom the entire time. We're not disguising it, but I'm providing them content they care about, which they're consuming that content, which you guys that are doing your video where you stand in front of a property and tell them it's a three bedroom, two about 1500 square foot house. They don't care about that. They're clicking off of that. So by giving them good content, it engages your consumer on a consistent basis. And that's really important. So I got to yes. jump in real quick. Hang on one second, Sheree. And by the way, for those of you that don't already know Sheree, thank you, Sheree, for making it. I know you had some uh, stuff going on. I'm glad you were able to make it today. Sheree is a rock star down in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, and freaking crushes it. She's got, what, 36 or so people on her team. Uh, and in her second full year, actually, I should say, in her first full year with Club Wealth, she went from being a, a lone ranger to literally over 25 people on our team doing over 250 transactions a year. And I think she's on track this year for 500 transactions. So you go girl, keep it up. We freaking love you. Thanks. And that's why, by <laughs> the way, we practically begged her and she did accept, but we practically had to beg her to become the CEO of club wealth expansion services. So super stoked. We love you, Sheree. You're awesome. Uh, and so that being said, uh, Bernadette and, and Katie had uh, a couple of really good comments. First of all, uh, Bernadette says she totally follows you all the time on East County Eats and, and Santee Saturday, Saturdays. Kyle, she freaking loves you and uh, appreciates all the value you're bringing. And then Katie had a really good question. Uh, and that is, how do you keep track of the content that you want to create? You haven't created it yet. Uh, do you have a content calendar? Do you have a Trello board or what, you're, what are you doing to keep track of it? Yeah. So the best thing that we did was we called our show. Our first show was called Santee Saturdays. Well, logically, what does that mean? You got to put an episode out every Saturday. Um, I kind of use Game of Thrones as a good example. Like that Game of Thrones is almost a religion. Like every Sunday Game of Thrones is on. If an episode's not on, people lose their freaking mind because they didn't get to see their Game of Thrones that week. You want your series to be the same way. You want people to look forward to it. And get to the point where if you didn't post an episode, people are hitting you up. Are you okay? Is everything okay? Like that's what you want. So that show, um, initially our first show was called Santee Saturdays. We did a hundred episodes of it. The community I live in is 55,000 people. We ran out of businesses to do quite frankly. So we had to pivot and, um, adapt and what we did and don't worry, I'll come around to it. Um, what we did is we looked at all the past episodes and figured out, which episodes were the ones that got the most engagement and almost every single time it was the food ones, the restaurants. If you go through your Instagram feed right now, it's three things. It's food, fashion, and fitness. And so we had to pick one of those three. I love food. And so we pivoted and focused on uh, food. And then we expanded out of just Santee and focused on the whole Eastern part of San Diego County. Um, and we call the new show East County Eats. And now it's restaurants all over East County. Um, and that show's really, really crushed it. We're getting consistently 20, 30,000 views a week on our videos. We have one video that went viral, got over 3 million views organically on it, which has been really cool. And so those shows we put out every single week. So that's automatic. Um, then we do um, a buyer tip every month. We do a seller tip every month. We do an agent tip every month. So those are three more videos. Um, we do a video of every single listing that we do. And then we record our office meetings. And so, again, I'm a huge Gary Vaynerchuk fan. One of the things he talks about is document, don't create. So we record all of our office meetings, which does a couple of cool things for us. One, it allows us to build that library of content. So when an agent says, hey, I have a question about doing open houses, I can say, 
boom, watch this video. I don't have to regurgitate that content over and over again. The other thing is cool is we can share that content with the real estate community. So we can take snippets from our meetings. We started a Facebook group called the whistle way. And all we do is just give back in that group and just say, Hey, you want to do open house? Here's a little five minute thing of Kyle talking about how to do open houses because we're huge on giving back to the community because we know the more we put into the real estate community, the more it's going to give back to us. And so when we're out there consistently helping new agents you know, get off the ground or even get to that next level, you know, when they have a referral or they're thinking about what brokerage they want to join, we're going to be the person that they call. So we love to give back um, and share what we're doing in our own office meetings. So we kind of have like an open door policy on that. So um, our big series, East County Eats, every week, a buyer, a seller, and an agent tip every month, every single listing that we do. And every single meeting that we do, that's our content calendar. Let me just, let me just uh, uh, clarify something. When you're doing this in reference to the eats around, around the County, you're doing it about that particular restaurant. You're not mentioning a house. You're not throwing a, something of that in there, in there. Correct. Correct. Yeah. The whole goal is we want those videos to be what's referred to as evergreen. So if I pitch a listing on a show that show is not evergreen because a year from now that listing's long gone and they can't use that video again. So every video we do, we try to make it as evergreen as possible so that let's say a restaurant's running a promo on something, they can use that video over and over and over again, whether it be a month down the road or a year down the road, they can reuse that video. A lot of the restaurants have taken our videos and put them on the front page of their website. And then like as seen on East County Eats and we got little stickers made that they all have in the windows of their restaurants like Yelp sends you for your windows. Um, so it's been really cool. One of the things that we've added on recently is we're doing happy hours now um, because we get so much engagement on these videos. We wanted to find a way to take this online audience that we built. I think the page has about 18,000 likes, true likes, not BS likes like a lot of people have. Um, I have people all the time like I got 18,000 likes on my page and then I look at their content and it's like, one comment, one like, like you've clearly paid for those. Like this is true quality likes where there's constant engagement on everything that we do. And we're doing a happy hour now. So we're inviting people to come to one of the restaurants that we featured to come have a drink with us so that we can take those online relationships that we've created, take them offline. And now that opens the possibility for people to show up and just like, Hey, I'm thinking about buying. I'm thinking about selling, which has been really cool. Um, and one of the things that's been cool as well is like when I do an open house now, people come in and like, we're instantly in rapport because they've seen the show. You know, they watch the show. They already feel like we're friends because part of sales is know me, like me, trust me. They've already gotten to do all of those things just by watching me on video. They feel like they're a friend of mine before they even have ever stepped foot in front of me. So that's been a really cool um, thing that's happened as well. What I think I really, what, what I'm, one of the things I want to make sure that, that a lot of the agents is hearing is that these videos that you're making it about the community is also bringing in, bringing business in for you, but it's really starting with the community. So yes. you have others who think that they have to always throw in a house or call me if you're thinking about doing this or, or whatever that is. And they don't necessarily really focus on that community, that business. So it's not. Um, it's not received the same way, but those business owners are seeing business come from you, um, yeah. which in turn builds up 
builds you up in their mind and also helps with referrals. So a lot of agents need to really understand that. You know, we always talk about making things about someone else. We talk about giving and then you shall receive. And that's exactly what you've done. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, again, I, I've probably quoted Gary five times now, but his book, Jab, 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 Right Hook is a book that everybody should read, whether you're in real estate or any business. And it's all about give, give, give before you ever ask for anything in return. Um, so that's what we're doing with this video series. That's what we're doing with our Whistle Way Facebook groups. Let's just give. Like we just give content, you know, let's constantly give. And, and this whole video series, like my guy, he works for me 40 hours a week on the weekends. He goes and does these video shoots for other businesses. He makes like a thousand, fifteen hundred bucks to do one of these shoots, you know, when he charges somebody. So when I can go to these businesses, I'm doing something that would cost them a thousand or fifteen hundred bucks and I'm doing it for free. Like that's pretty cool. Like that's a really big give. Um, for those businesses, you know, and majority of them really, really appreciate it. Some of them have no concept of what we're doing for them, but majority of the businesses um, really appreciate what we do. And then not only do we do this video, but then they always see a huge influx of business as soon as the episode airs. So now they're constantly thinking like, good, Kyle's the guy who helped put me on the map. Like I owe him. He's a friend. Like these guys are inviting me to parties at their houses and stuff now. Like we become friends with all of these guys. And I'm able to do that by leveraging this show all done via video. And guess what happens when you're at these parties and they're, they're, they're now your friend introducing you to their friends and business owners tend to have friends that have a little bit of money. Exactly. Exactly. So Kyle, real quick, I wanted to kind of step in there. So obviously you said you interviewed every business owner in your town and that's, that's pretty much. So, and I'm either going to either give you a bad idea, a good idea, or you're already done it. I'm not sure which, but have you, have you leveraged that to create any sort of vendor program that works with your, for your clients, for your business, to get support, to get marketing money, things along those lines? Not with like the gym or the coffee shop. Um, we do with our more real estate related businesses. We definitely have vendor programs in place for that stuff. But as far as like a community program, we haven't. It's definitely something that's on our radar um, to do something along those lines, but it's not something we've done. But that, no, I love the idea for sure. I don't know who does that really well. Um, I don't remember his name, but yeah, there's a guy out there who's getting money from everybody. The garage door guy, the landscape guy, the pool guy. Um, for sure, there's an opportunity to do that. Well, well, I'll share something that happened at our mastermind at Listing Agent Bootcamp back in um, in Denver in uh, in May. Well, it's, it's Monday, this Tuesday. So um, we had a gentleman in there, and this is kind of a neat concept where he's actually built an app, and people pay a monthly fee to be on his app. So, you know, obviously the lender pays a little bit more than the gym or something like that, but he literally shares that. And he's got like 150 vendors who are supporting his app and just a, an amazing idea. And it sounds like you've already built those relationships and uh, that's awesome. like you're, you're headed towards that, that same type of thing. So that, that's really cool. Yeah. So it. Kyle, real quick, where uh, you, you have uh, these videos posted somewhere, where can people watch these videos if they want to go, you know, subscribe to your YouTube or your, your podcast, whatever you or your videos, wherever they're at. Yeah. Well, one of the really valuable lessons we learned is our first show, Santee Saturdays, we posted all of those on our whistle realty group page on Facebook. And what we learned is people don't like to like real estate pages because they're concerned that if I like a real estate page, you're going to get force fed real estate content, which is not what the goal of this show is. So our whistle realty page, which we've had for 10 years now has like five or 6,000 likes on it. 
our East County Eats page. So when we shifted and did the new series, East County Eats, we we're like, let's do a separate YouTube, a separate Facebook, everything separate. That we've had that page for a year and we have almost 18,000 likes on it. People are much less intimidated by liking a East County Eats page as opposed to a Whistle Realty page. So um, just facebook.com slash East County Eats um, and you can check out all the videos on there. Um, find East County Eats on YouTube or just look me up on YouTube. We put the East County Eats are all on their own page. Everything else goes on the Whistle Realty page on YouTube. How do you handle the negative reviews that might come from that? Um, well, if they're really bad, I'll just delete them, which is a beautiful thing on Facebook is you can just delete comments, but I try to have fun with them. I'm the kind of guy I've got a, a unique sense of humor, we'll say, um, and I'm not afraid to poke the bear. So, um, I'll engage in a very witty manner with people if I need to. I mean, I think that whether it's a re review about a restaurant or video that we did or a client on Zillow, um, or Yelp. I think the negative reviews are actually your best opportunity to make yourself stand out from the crowd. So when I do get a negative review, here's a little tip for you on Yelp. If you get a negative review, a lot of times are BS reviews from a competitor. Report the review to Yelp first. If Yelp refuses to remove the review, then comment on it. But the second you comment on a review on Yelp, it's stuck. It's not going to go away ever. Little tip on Yelp. Always just wow, That's first. good to know. Then respond to it. Because if it's a BS review and you respond like, we've never done business with this person, we don't know who they are, you're stuck with that review. It's not going to disappear. So little tip. Um, but those, when you do go to respond, so let's say on Yelp, you dispute it, they don't take it down. So now you got to respond or do something on Facebook. Really have fun with it. But think about it. When you do go to respond to a review on Yelp, this was actually a really good lesson I learned in life, is when you go to respond to a review on Yelp, you'll type it out and it's like, have you taken time to think about this? Are you sure you want to post this review? And you're like, screw this guy. Yes. And then it goes to like, an <laughs> like, think twice. Once you post this, you cannot take this down. This is going to be public for everybody. Are you really sure? Do you want to think about it? Damn it. Yes. Like that's the mindset. But that was a really valuable lesson about how we need to take a step back a lot of times and think about these situations like when think about the state of mind that you're in and are you in the right state of mind before you write that response because that is a big opportunity to take a negative and turn it into a positive or it can make a small negative and turn it into a really big negative so when you're responding to reviews whether it be zillow yelp or on your facebook page take some time and think about it first before you respond and if there's an opportunity to infuse some humor in there while justifying, you know, what happened in the particular situation, take advantage of that. People will appreciate you more for coming up with a really cool, fun, witty response than just leaving a negative sit there. Okay. I want to pivot for a second, Kyle. So if you don't mind, when, when did you do your first video? Oh, geez. Uh, I mean, a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, what are we talking about? Uh, I've had a full-time videographer for going on four years now. We even, he even has a second guy now. Like we almost have a whole media department. Gotcha. Um, so in real estate though, I probably started videos seven years ago. Okay. So, and here's the reason I asked because the majority of the people watching this don't have a videographer, let alone a second videographer. <laughs> and I I can hear people going just as through the internet going, well, that's really cool that he does that, but I've got no chance of doing it. Yeah. So, and I understand the first video didn't, you know, get you a million likes and it didn't get you 17 appointments, but you know, everything takes time. And 
I want to just kind of talk about it. Honestly, what you're doing actually resembles TV and radio from the effect that it has. Like, you know, we went on three appointments this week from radio ads. Well, those are really easy. I show up they're like, hey, you know, so and so. And, you know, it's like it's like they're best friends with the DJ. And so am I. And we just talk about that. We sign listing contracts. And my guess is, is that you've seen that iteration. How long did some of that stuff happen for you, for your agents, for your listing agents, for your buyer's agents before that started to have some real traction and make their life 10 times easier? Yeah. Well, let me just touch on it again. This is the only thing that you need. You don't need all the crap that we have. Like that's what we do. You don't need to, this is all you need. And Facebook live is your best friend right now. Um, Our East County eats videos to give you perspective. All right, we got to plan the place that we're going to go to and you know, prep them. We have a whole video to help prep them of what to expect. Then we show up there. We record for like an hour, usually two hours, because I do stay the whole time and work the relationship while we're there. Then my guys come back and edit for like six hours. So we're like eight to nine hours in to put one of these videos out, and they get 20,000 views on average. Well, also, while we're there at the restaurant, I record a little video with this, Facebook live and I post it, we're getting like five or 6,000 views on those videos. There's no prep time. It takes 10 minutes. minutes. There's no edit time and I'm getting five or 6,000 views. So you don't need to do what we do with the videographers and all this crap. Like this is it. This is all you need. This and Facebook live and Instagram live. Like this is your best friend. Um, This gets you so much because Facebook, they're running TV ads to promote Facebook Live. Like they want people to use Facebook Live. And when you do, they reward you by boosting the results and you know putting you up toward the top of the ranking. So leverage Facebook Live. It is your best friend. Your cell phone and Facebook Live is all that you need. I mean, I'm using a webcam that I think I got six or seven years ago. Like you don't have to have a bunch of fancy equipment. Like that's what I'm saying is people are always asking what equipment, what editing. It doesn't need to be that. Facebook Live and your cell phone is all that you need right now. Um, that rules the world. We got a cool little thing. This is a cheap investment. It's literally some a stick that holds two phones. Um, and one is running Facebook Live and one is running Instagram Live um, so that we can run them both at the same time. Like if you want to spend some money on something, go on to Amazon and spend, I think it was like 30 bucks. It's literally a dual phone holder on a stick. If you want to spend some money, buy that. Okay. And then borrow a friend's phone or something. Um, that's all that you need right now. So just real quick, I want to make sure because this and, you know, I want to convince people that what you're doing makes sense, even at the two phones, the, the five minutes. So how much easier, you know, if if before every appointment that you went on was a 10 was how hard it was, how much easier is it to go on appointments today for you? I'm not sure if you're going, but for your agents, what's the difference? Because yes. that. That's what really makes sense. Yeah, it's huge because, again, when somebody is going to do business with someone, they got to know them, like them, and trust them. And we typically have knocked the three of those out before we ever walk in the door. So a lot of times we're walking in, and instead of having conversations about price and commission, we're having conversations about did you go try the pho burrito at that place or did you try the mac and cheese fries over at that place? Like we're having those conversations as opposed to the commission conversations because we're in relationship from the second we walk in the door. And it's really big when we do like community events, we have booths at, you know, all the concerts at the park and the um, movies at the lakes and our open houses, all that stuff. And people are automatically coming in and they're talking about the series. Like they're opening the conversation for us. Whether it's me or my agents, we're all benefiting from it. And then 
I, a lot of times will, you know, allow the agents to start, you know, hosting the show themselves. So now I'm starting to add value for my agents because now they're getting to be the one in front of the camera and they can send that out to their sphere. And it starts to um, tap into different spheres of influence, not just mine, but now it's tapping into all of theirs as well. It's awesome. It almost feels like every appointment you're going on is a referral. Yeah, it's so much easier. I mean, you know, we all practice, you know, we role play our presentations week after week after week. But then you go into the appointment, you rarely ever even need it, right? Because you're already in relationship with that person. So I want to jump in here because what I'm hearing is that literally you're getting the same kind of response and the same kind of, of celebrity status out of what you're doing now that we were when we were spending. I mean, we literally used to spend almost $40,000 a month on TV and radio. And so what I want to know is what is your total spend between the production, the boosting, promotion, everything you do to pull this off? What is your total monthly spend? Um, I mean, the only spend is just the, the media guys, right? The good thing is I hired guys who had all their own equipment. I didn't really have to go buy a ton of equipment for them. That was a smart hire if you're going to hire a videographer. Um, we bought a green screen. Actually, we painted our wall green. We did a green screen studio, which people are intimidated by green screen studios. Go on Amazon. They're like 100 bucks. Like It's not expensive to get a green screen studio. Um, it's like a green sheet with a couple of light bulbs that shine on your face. You don't have to spend a lot of money on that stuff. So, you know, we have guys that do the editing and all that stuff. So that's my spend. Four or five grand a month um, is what I spend on my guy. But again, you don't need that. What's funny is even my video guy who has all the equipment in the world, there's a new, um, it's like a case and a lens combination called Moment. Um, M-O-M-E-N-T, Moment. He's actually been shooting a ton of video with his iPhone. Like a professional media guy is using iPhone with a moment lens on it. Um, and you almost can't even tell the difference between a video he shot with that versus his $5,000 DSLR camera. Um, so so but you're not doing any boosting or anything, it sounds like. Is that right? Very little. We, we pump like our East County Eats, we pump 10 bucks a day into it. So basically $70 per video. That's unbelievable. Spending a ton of money. Just spend a little bit, get some traction rolling on it, and that's it. We're not spending. Well, and it comes back to those four C's, right? You've got great content. And, and, and the one that I think, besides the content, the one that I think is probably the most important is the consistency. Would you agree on that? Yeah. You don't want to just wing it and be like, oh, I feel like shooting a video today and then do it. Right. Like, have it scheduled. So I always tell people, like, the best thing, do a Facebook Live show. And pick a day, whatever you want, two-minute Tuesdays, Wisdom Wednesdays, foreclosure Fridays, like whatever. I don't care. Come up with a name and a day of the week and then just block it into your schedule. Every Friday at 10 o'clock, I'm going to talk about the foreclosure of the week and do it via Facebook Live. That's it. And then you're doing that every single Friday. It's just automatic. That's what I do. 10 o'clock Fridays, I do foreclosure Fridays or whatever you want to do. Come up with your own thing. Um, The Mortgage Minute Mondays, like cool, whatever you're into, pick a day of the week and set it. And then you just do that. That's your routine. It's, it's part of your time block schedule. Love it. I love it. That's awesome. Okay. So let's shift gears for just a second. Well, let's back up. Is there anything else about video that you think is mission critical that our audience knows about? Just Facebook and Instagram live hands down the most important thing right now. And I guess the, the other really, really important thing is be authentic, be you. Don't try to emulate somebody 
don't emulate me. Don't try to emulate a million dollar listing to start it back up. Don't try to be Ryan Serhant. Don't try to be Frederick Eklund. Like just be you. And if you're quirky, then be quirky. If you like, just be you, like you wear a suit and a tie all the time. That's you. If I wore that, it'd be weird. Like, that's just not me. So like dress the way that you dress, talk the way that you talk, use the mannerisms that you use. Like I said some stuff like there's, I went in a property and there's like holes in the wall. I'm like, Oh, check out these cool custom built-ins. Like, like just have fun with it. Like really be fun. It don't, if you're going into a video and you've got like a piece of paper and you're like, again, three bedroom, two bath, 15, like they can freaking read. People know how to read. Tell them something they don't know. Like add some value when you're doing a video. Um, please, please, I beg of you, please stop doing these Facebook lives where you walk through a home and tell them there's a fireplace over here and there's granite counters. They can freaking see the granite counters. Like, we had a guy the other day in the group. He, uh, he posted a, a video of him doing like the, what did the floss thing? Yes, yeah, it was it, hilarious, that was, man. It was freaking funny, but it was, was like, would I do that? No. Yeah. First of all, I can't dance, but you know what? It's him. And you know, here's the interesting thing. And Kyle, I agree hundred percent with what you're saying. Because when you're yourself, you attract people that are attracted to you. And now when you start doing business with them, you get you meet them in person. Guess what? It's natural and it, and it makes sense. But if you're trying to be somebody else, eventually they're going to figure out that you're not that person. Eventually they're going to figure out that you're a complete fraud on video because you're different in real life, right? So Absolutely. be the same person online that you are in real life and you will be attracting the people that you need and want to have in your business. Yeah, there's a story I heard recently that really resonated with me. And all right, so a man and a woman, they roll in, they're rolling through the desert with a camel and they roll into this town. And initially the man's walking the camel, the woman's riding on the camel and he rolls into town and everybody looks at him and is like, what an idiot. Why is this man not riding this camel? He has a perfectly good camel. He should be riding with his wife. And then they leave town. And the next time they come in town, the man and the woman are on the camel. And then everybody looks at them like, how dare you put all of that weight on that camel? That camel can't handle the weight of both of you people. So then they leave town. And then they come back the next time. And neither one of them are riding the camel. And then everybody looks at them like, you idiots, you have this perfect camel. Why are you guys not riding it? Like, no matter what you do, people are either going to like you or not like you. It's okay. There's nothing you can do to make everybody like you. It's just not going to happen. So just stay true to who you are. And the people that like you will like you for being you. And that's what you want. You don't want somebody to like you for pretending to be something that you're not. Because again, like you said, when they meet you, they're going to realize that what they saw on camera is not what they're going to see in person. And that whole know me, like me, trust me just went out the window. I got some really good advice yesterday uh, from somebody that said, literally, you need to push people away that don't fit your values and your culture, right? Like if, if it's not you and if, and if they're not your ideal client or the people that you want to spend your time with, you need to be doing stuff that, that by nature will push those people away because if you're not pushing them away, there's a risk that you're attracting them into your audience or into your, into your core group. And all of a sudden now that becomes a cancer in your group because it's completely out of culture with what you have going on. So I'm a hundred percent a believer in 
only worry about the people that are truly in culture with you. Only worry about those people that you really truly want to have in your life. And don't worry about the rest of them because you're right, Kyle. You're going to upset somebody at some point in time. If you're not upsetting someone, then you're then you're probably not being authentic with with the people out there. I would I would surmise. So Michael. awesome. All right. Yeah, sure. You go ahead. So I want to I want to make sure that we touch because we don't have a whole lot of time left. I want to make sure that we touch on lead conversion ISAs. Um, so can you talk to us about how that what that setup is um, at your team? So we do something very, very different. Um, for me, when a new agent comes into my company and wants to join us, they have to start as an ISA. It's a non-negotiable. I believe that way too, the part of the reason we have a 90% failure rate in our industry is because somebody joins a company and day one, they hand them the keys and they're like, here you go, run your business. And that's just not effective in my opinion. Like there's a restaurant next door to us. Like you don't walk in there day one when you get hired and run the restaurant, you walk in there day one and you start out as like a busser or a host or hostess, right? You do that. Then you move up and you become a server and then maybe you lead a shift and then you get the keys and run the restaurant. But in our industry, we let you run the restaurant day one. And I think that that's a huge flaw. So I love to start people as an ISA. Now for them, it's paid training. For me, it's boot camp. So within a 90-day period, they've got to set 10 appointments that show up. If they can't do that, then they don't get a spot on the team. It's very, very simple. But I want them to cut their teeth learning the foundation of our business, which is prospecting and lead follow-up. Because now I'm building this really solid concrete foundation so that when I start adding some of the more advanced stuff on top, when I go vertical and building terms, when I start building, I'm now building on a concrete foundation where if you start somebody day one and the first thing they're doing is like running Facebook ads and all this other crap, you're building on quicksand a lot of time. So I really want to make sure that I build a solid foundation for agents and then move them up and they earn a spot onto the team, which does a few things. One, it makes them extremely humble, um, which is huge. Humility, like my two biggest traits that I look for in people are humility um, and they need to be humble and hungry. Those are like the two things I really love to look for in people. So they get um, humbled a lot by going through that experience. They realize how much work goes into setting an appointment and getting that appointment to show up. So it's really, really good. And then when they become an agent, as an ISA, they're prospecting like four to six hours a day. Well, now they become an agent on the team. And I'm like, cool, from nine to 11, I want you to prospect every day. And they're like, only two hours? Like, <laughs> that's it? Only two hours? Like, holy crap. Like, think about if every agent on your team, you told them to prospect two hours and they said, that's it. That's crazy, right? We're all you know pulling teeth to get somebody to make two phone calls. My guys, I tell them two hours, they're like, that's it? So that's been really, really cool. So now when somebody makes it on our team, the foundation's built, it's poured in concrete, and it's you know prospecting and lead follow-up is the foundation that we built them up on. So talk to me about um, one of the biggest things that we always have is conversion conversion ratios and and a lot of agents when we talk about a similar model to you we get a lot of pushback because you have that person who is good at converting that lead now becomes an agent and so there's a couple of different models that are out there to where we leave that person as an ISA that ISA can make about a hundred thousand dollars a year before we switch them over to being an agent why has this way been more successful for you or what do you do for those agents that when they switch over they're not as great as an agent as they were a prospector because that happens a lot 
Totally. Yeah, that definitely happens. Um, so let me think about the question real quick. So what happens when I have the agent who starts out as an ISA, then becomes an agent and fails? They were well, good as an know, ISA. But they were fantastic as-, as an ISA. They're just not as great of an agent. Yeah. All right. So some of the things that I found, I've had ISAs for about five years now. So I feel like we kind of got in at the very beginning of the ISA thing. Um, one of the things I found is I cannot keep an ISA for more than six months. Um, I've tried hiring full-time ISAs for a long time. I've never been able to keep them for six months. Their production, you know, they start, it goes up, they plateau around, you know, four or five months, and then it falls off a cliff. They just, they burn out. And the other thing that ISA see a lot of times is they're seeing how much work's going into setting one of these appointments. And then they set an appointment for an agent and the agent doesn't follow up and then the appointment doesn't show or the agent doesn't convert it. And they're like, how the hell did you not convert that? That was a lay down. Or they see agents being lazy as hell, you know, playing on Facebook all day and making $100,000 a year while they're over here as an ISA making half of that, working their tail off. And they're like, well, screw this. If this guy's making 100 with as lazy as he is, then if I become an agent, I'm going to make 200 grand. Um, so I found it's really, really, really hard to keep somebody in an ISA role for a long time. The only time I've been able to do it was hiring like lifetime telemarketers. If you've ever hired a lifetime telemarketer, they tend to be extremely interesting people. Um, they're cut from a different cloth to say the least. Um, let's just say there's things that are legal in California now that they tend to uh, frequent like they're very <laughs> unique people. Um, it, yeah, it's, it's tough. So, I've never been able to make them stick for long periods of time. And again, I've done this five years with ISAs. Um, it's not something new that we're trying. We've tried outsourcing ISA work, but when they don't have that, that local market knowledge, I found that that's really tough, especially in San Diego where half of the street names and cities are Spanish. So when somebody calls it La Jolla and they're talking about a $3 million property, like, oh, bye, you lost them. Yeah. So That would have been me. I've done that before. La Jolla, I'm in La Jolla. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> hey, really, really quick, Kyle. How many uh, uh, Mike Novak, one of our coaching clients in uh, in yeah, Everett, Washington? By the way, shout out to Mike. He's going to net over a million dollars in this his second year selling real estate. So we're stoked about him. Uh, but he wants to know how many ISAs do you run on your team at a given time? So we typically bring two per month in and we try to always run them in pairs as they go through this program because then they kind of compete against each other, which has been really cool. Um, So we bring two in a month and usually one out of two makes it through. So So at at one time, so if if you're bringing two in a month, how many do you have all together? Typically we'll have four to six, just depending on where they're at in their 90 day process. Yeah. So I like having more, but I like only having six hour shifts. Um, I found that trying to do eight hour shifts there's a fall off in production when they get into that seventh and eighth hour to where it doesn't even make sense to have them on. They can only be on the phone for so long. So, and so what's your maximum, what kind of, what's the maximum shift for these guys? Uh, six hours. So we typically from eight to two, and then we do somebody from one to seven. Perfect. All right. So, and we have to wrap up. We're out of time. I, I mean, I hate to do it because we're, we're loving this. I know our audience is loving it. Kyle, thank you so much. If you're open to it, we'd love to have you come on another episode of Club Wealth TV at some point. And uh, certainly watch for us guys on the podcast. Uh, if you go to clubwealth.com forward slash TV, you can rewatch or you can, you can listen to this in your car when you're working out, whatever. And uh, also, 
Uh, don't forget our, we, we got to put a shout out to our sponsor, Wise Hire. We appreciate those guys for making it possible for us to do these shows all the time. So thank you to Wise Hire. We love using them for our recruiting needs. And I hear every day somebody's telling me they just recruited another agent onto their team from Wise Hire. And, and it's just, it's an awesome source. So that being said, Kyle, love you. Appreciate you taking the time to be on here. Very, very quick. We got time for a 15 second parting thought from each of you. We're going to start. Ladies first, Cherie Benjamin. Thank you. Okay, so my parting thought is that I just want a commitment from Kyle that he'll be back on. <laughs> all right, all I'll right. Give a thumbs up from Kyle, so good to go. All right, Brian Curtis. So my parting thought is that I hear this, and you said it once, but I hear it in all parts of your business. You really go both. You find ways instead of either or or no, you go to both. And I, and I really appreciate that about, about your personality and about, about your business. It's, it really can tell that you find ways to create win-wins and uh, it, it, amazing business. And uh, I, I can't wait to talk to you again. It's pretty cool. I love it. Kyle, your parting thought. You look the same on camera as you look in person. Quit worrying about how you look and shooting your video 20 times. If your hair is screwed up on the first take, it's going to be screwed up on the second take. If you have a giant forehead like I do and light reflects off it, embrace it. Like it is who you are. Get out of your head that people aren't going to like you because you're skinny, you're fat, you're black, you're white, or any of that crap. Like get over that. Like just go out there, be you, be authentic, own it, and the results will follow. And don't overthink it. Don't let that crap hold you back. Accept who you are. Embrace who you are. Grab your damn iPhone. Shoot a Facebook Live. Tag me in it. I'm happy to, uh, you know, give you some feedback on it. You can join our group, The Whistle Way. A ton of people will ask for feedback. We're more than happy to help you guys out there. I love it. That's awesome. And my big takeaway today is that you really, truly are the golden rolling pin. I freaking love it, man. That was awesome. I thought that was hilarious. So for those of you that are watching, thank you so much for being here. We got to jump on our coaches call with all of our coaches. That being said, remember, inside each one of you, there's a world-class beast just dying to get out. You've got to choose to unleash that beast. So go do something at a world-class level today, whether it's rolling out Cinnabons in a world-class way or selling real estate in a world-class way. Figure it freaking out. Have an awesome day, everybody. We love you. Thanks for watching.